We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, how are we doing? Hashtag Blake back. Hashtag Blake back. Jeff Green gone. Free agency has started pretty slow for the Nets right now. We're going to discuss that and some more. Jack, as always, the listeners can find us on the Brooklyn Buzz on all streaming platforms. But where do you want to start? Do you want to start with Blake Griffin being back with the Brooklyn Nets as expected? Yeah, always the good news first, Nick, rather than the yeah. bad news. That's always uh, my mode of thinking, my mentality. Uh, really positive to hear. You know, obviously, it seems likely that it'll be a, a vet minimum of some sort. Um, what Blake contributed to us in the postseason, especially um, yep. the the immense value that he gave us as a, a hustle dude playing at the five. You know, he was a better Giannis stopper than DeAndre Ayton. And, you know, if the, the Suns had Blake Griffin, who knows how the finals would have gone. But Blake Griffin provided so much of this team, you know, sparks offensively, great locker room presence, really fun personality to have, really easy guy to root for. Uh, and he made himself, you know, he wore that black and white with pride. And um, he did so much and uh, we're lucky to have him back. And it's going to be interesting to see now that he's got a bit of an off-season ahead of him, what um, he, he what his role continues to be going forward. But uh, it's very positive because, you know, the big man stocks and losing Jeff Green obviously wasn't positive. But at least we got a little bit of good news. Yeah, I mean, Blake being back is huge. I mean, that's a quality big that has versatility to his game, is still very skilled at the point this point in his career. And like you said, I thought he adapted to his role with the Nets ideally. Like, he killed my expectations for what I had of him. I was hoping maybe just, you know, 10, 20 minutes off the bench. I wasn't sure what he's going to do in the postseason. Like you said, against the Bucks, he was awesome. You know, he played 30 minutes a game. Nets probably aren't able to push that to a game seven due to the injuries without Blake Griffin on the roster. You love the grittiness. You know, you kind of love the asshole vibes that he brings to the team a little bit. You know, talking shit to P.J. Tucker, you need one of those guys. Blake has no problem being that guy. And like you kind of mentioned, Jack, offseason, working in his role, adapting to his new teammates. Um, I mean, I think Blake will be even better on the Nets next season, just having a little bit more chemistry, a better understanding of what he needs to do. And I think he like almost gradually got healthier as he was playing with the Nets. You know what I mean? Like he started moving better in the postseason. He played over 30 minutes a game in that Buck series. And like some of those games, it felt like he was playing close to 40. So I'm happy to have him back. I really enjoyed it being in the Nets. 
Absolutely. I think offensively, uh, especially, we, we saw what he provided for us. And, you know, in certain matchups in the postseason, you know, the Bucks obviously losing PJ Tucker and, and such. And, you know, the Miami Heat, I think he's going to be a, a fun matchup to have against, you know, the upper echelon teams in the East. Blake has proven that he can provide value on both ends of the floor, you know, surprise yeah. both of us, especially me in terms of his defense. But <clears throat> enough of Blake, Nick, we could go on for a little bit longer, but, you know, it's a, a pretty simple deal. But, you know, the, the offseason for the Nets right now is anything but simple because there's signings happening left, right, and center. Uh, but Sean Marks must be on the longest phone call of all time about Spencer Dinwiddie sign and trade or Bruce Brown's extension or whatever else is happening there because, you know, it's a, a little bit of a stalemate that's currently happening in Brooklyn. And do you think it the reason why he is because... Spencer Dinwiddie's sign and trade is probably the most complex deal that any team has to sort of figure out alongside, I guess, a Dennis Schroeder one. Yeah, I mean, it could be holding up things a touch, but at the same time, I think you're a lot of these guys the Nets are kind of competing for, I guess, in a sense. Uh, Lakers looking at the same guys. You know, the Warriors are probably looking at the same guys. You have, you know, different names that are kind of you know, filing through the different offers they have out there and deciding, do I want to take the money? Do I want to take the championship run? Do I want to live on the East Coast? Do I want to live on the West Coast? And they're probably waiting for some of these other dominoes to fall. And now you're starting to really see some of the cap space dry up, some of the exceptions dry up. So now I think this is where you see some of those guys decide like, hey, you know, I'm going to go with Brooklyn. We heard some rumors about Otto Porter. You know, Rudy Gay was mentioned earlier on. We got the stuff with Patty Mills. So I think the Nets are active, but they're not necessarily like, you know, sold on one guy. I think Sean Marks has his hands on a lot of different pieces right now. And I still think that Spencer doing anything like you mentioned is a big piece, but at the end of the day, they have to kind of look at the other stuff too, at the same time, it's just a waiting game. And I think to an extent, um, I know I'm rambling on a little bit to an extent last year with all the tampering stuff, I feel like some of the, the contracts are taking a little bit longer and just kind of making it look like it's kind of happening later instead of them instantly signing. So I wouldn't be surprised if you know, we see a signing as soon as we're done recording this, because that's what happens. <laughs> it happens so often with uh, any podcast on the OTD network, especially the Brooklyn Buzz. But uh, I, I think the thing that's most upsetting, Nick, is, is Jeff Green going. Uh, yeah. I think that we can't underestimate the value and the, the the production that he gave the Brooklyn Nets and not just the, the postseason, that game five performance, you know, is one is one for the ages. You know, it almost goes and held it because Kevin Durant yep. uh, had an, an epic game, one for the ages in itself. But, you know, Jeff Green's, I think it was 27 or 29, whatever yep. it was. 27, uh, and he had the ridiculous amount of threes. <laughs> it was, it, 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 when support was needed, Jeff Green was there. And unfortunately, uh, the plantar fascia injuries started to catch up with him, not necessarily the easiest injury to, to play through. Um, and, you know, he's heading to Denver on a two-year $10 million deal, which is certainly frustrating because the Nets had that money with the taxpayer mid-level exception to offer. Um, and now it's going to be, you know, who else, like you mentioned, is it Rudy Gay we give that money to? Is it Paddy Mills we give that money to? Um, hopefully it is because... Um, losing Jeff Green, uh, I think we're going to see throughout you know the regular season as well as the postseason. Maybe not the postseason because we didn't see as much of Jeff, um, especially in the latter points of, of the Buck series. But man, his his absence is going to be sorely, sorely missed. Yeah, it really is. And I think I guess the viewpoint from the Nets is you know maybe they thought last year was an outlier season. They thought they could upgrade the spot or they could you know get another cheap option to kind of fill his role because, like you said, they did probably have the opportunity to re-sign him given that taxpayer mid-level exception. And that's kind of the number we anticipated the whole time. And that's really what he got. So it feels like it was kind of almost the Nets decision to let him go because even the most recent reports had him as a favorite to land with either Miami or Boston and didn't really mention the Nets. So 
Uh, interesting stuff on the Jeff Green front, especially considering he's a KD and James Harden guy. I just must think that Sean Marks think there's a better piece they can fill in, or maybe there's somebody else in the roster or a different style they're looking to play. I'm not really sure of the exact details. It sucks, Nick. You know, I'm going to put yeah. it out there that if Sean Marks doesn't make upgrades or at least replacements to that Jeff Green spot, you know, it's going to be a blemish on you know an otherwise pretty flawless record that he has had as a, the Brooklyn Nets GM. Obviously, he's had his mistakes along the way, but the Jeff Green signing was a, 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 the vet minimum signing of the year, maybe of the yep. millennium. The, who, who would have thought that the, the value that the Nets get of Jeff Green as a, you know the fifth starter and you know the second star at one point yep. in, in the postseason? So I, I think that this is going to be a, a big loss, and um, I'm already missing Jeff, Uncle Jeff, and those dunks that he, he's going to keep on throwing, and um, he's probably going to throw them for Denver for quite a while. And I, I don't know why, you know, a part of me hopes that it's Jeff actually wanting to get a different start, a different set of challenges, rather than Sean Marks. But, you know, I'm sure we'll find that out in due course. But to me, I, I like you sort of mentioned, Nick, you know, the established relationship there, but established relationship there with KD and James Harden. The, the immense leadership and chemistry that he provided the Brooklyn Nets. You know, I'm always going to remember the turning point of that uh, De Detroit Pistons loss. Yep. And Jeff Green's like, you know what? We need to play defense. We need to actually to make ourselves, uh, establish ourselves an identity on the defensive side of the floor. And then the offense will come. And then, you know, on, on, who would have thought that uh, from that point forward, the, the Nets start to play a little bit of defense. And, yeah, Jeff Green's locker room presence is going to be as missed as a, a lot of the production that he did provide uh, on the basketball court. And he provided quite a bit in saying that as well. You know, his, his value, uh, I, I don't think, can be underestimated, Nick. Yeah, I think, you know, he's that Swiss Army knife. You know, he does so many different things for your team. He offers extreme levels of versatility offensively, defensively. Obviously, an offense can be the role man, has a three-point shot, occasionally can create for himself, likes to run in transition, defensively, you know, extreme switchability. I don't think he really defends anybody at, like, an elite level, but he's able to switch on so many guys and play at a good level. My mindset just has to be that Sean Marks is looking to upgrade a specific aspect of whatever Jeff Green was doing because I think Jeff Green overall and in comparison to a lot of the guys is is good in a lot of categories but he's not great or elite other than maybe like poster dunks obviously yeah the great shooting season but I wouldn't anticipate him shooting 40 percent again so I, Sean Marks just must have confidence in another area or he's going to be able to land somebody else that's the only thing that really would make sense to kind of let the guy go yeah, there aren't a lot of reasons to it, and, and hopefully you are right in that respect, or else I'm going to provide a little bit of criticism to the to the man that I call the Kiwi Wizard. Um, maybe he's losing some of his powers. I, I don't know. Maybe he's turning a bit more muggle-like. Uh, I've got enough references to go for days, but I will stop. But yeah, I think what he's going to provide Denver is a is a certain upgrade that they'll they'll need. You know, in terms of you know when Michael Porter Jr. they need a bit more defense out there. You got Jeff Green to sort of throw in. It's just going to be you know like you mentioned, you're sort of the Swiss Army knife. I don't know whether he's like a German army knife or, or some other European country, but he's almost a, a better version of a Swiss Army knife because, like you mentioned, everything that he did out on the floor, he was just good, and he was good or above average. You know, there weren't many weaknesses to his game. You know, he played solid defense. He shot the ball way above average. He was able yep. to create himself for, for himself a little bit in the post every now and then. You know, he's, he, he moved the ball well. Um, he, you know, there, are, there weren't many times throughout this regular season where I'm like, man, Jeff Green underperformed for the Brooklyn Nets tonight. It's just like, you know what, Je Uncle Jeff, Uncle Jeff, Uncle Jeff. And it was like yep. the ultimate compliment that we gave to him and the ultimate level of reliability that you want out of a, a vet guy. And hopefully it is 
Rudy Gay or Paddy Mills in it because if there isn't some semblance of an upgrade, the depth of the Brooklyn Nets could become you know a, a bit of a worrying issue. Now I'm not saying it's going to be the end of the world, and you know the rosters still have many. You know we have still the the trade deadline in February to have to have the full construction of this team. But at this point in time, um, you know the Nets certainly aren't you know in the box seat in terms of what their rotation is. You know we've got our superstar big three. You got Joe Harris, who's obviously his stock has has certainly dipped quite a bit. And then who else is it, Nick? At this point in time, you have to wait. You know, is Spencer going to come back, or is there going to be some sort of machination of a, of a three-way trade, which could get another team involved? Now, I'm all I'm pretty pro KCP. Um, obviously, that would you know require some level of, of finagling as well. But if we get KCP out of this sign and trade deal, um, then my, my my all my reservations are immediately eased. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, I think uh, right now in free agency, what we're still looking for Sean Marks to do is add another wing or forward, you know, 
whatever it is. And then you're probably looking for that veteran center. Just it's a given that DeAndre is probably out at this point or at like some point in the season. And then you still need the backup point guard. Obviously, you have Javon Carter, but you'd like to get in a guy, possibly Patty Mills or somebody else. So and then you if you could squeeze in KCP. That'd be awesome. You know what I mean? I, I'm intrigued to see what happens with Washington and the Nets in that sign-and-trade scenario, given that so much cap space is really dried up for a lot of the other teams that could potentially sign Spencer. And like you kind of hinted at, Jack, I comp- I wouldn't rule out a possibility of him coming back. His market is doesn't seem great. We had the report of $16 million. Not sure if that's correct. I believe he opted out of $15 million. So I don't know. I'm not – I wouldn't – I thought going into it, there was a close to zero chance, probably less than 10%. I'd probably move it up to 25% at least right now just because there's not great options. And then that's kind of had the leverage. Like they have to agree to assign a trade to Washington. Washington has no other avenue to acquire. Yeah, and, and that's probably as well holding up the, the Bruce Brown deal, which would, you know, automatically, I didn't mention his name because, you know, right now he is a restricted free agent. And I think that... I'm not necessarily worried about that, but, you know, I think that a lot of what's happening with Spencer Dinwiddie and Washington and the fact that we heard it from Shams and we know, you know, for those that aren't necessarily included on Twitter, you know, Shams and and Spencer Dinwiddie seem to have as good a friendship as you and I sometimes, Nick, you know, he's always hyping him up saying like, you know, Shams over Woj, all this sort of stuff. So when the news is going to, we're not going to get a Woj bomb when it comes to Spencer Dinwiddie. It's going to be a Shams bomb and, you know, make sure we got the notifications on for that. But yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that there is a decent return. Look, at the very least, Kyle Kuzma, and maybe you get Robin Lopez as well sometime. I have no idea how that would work, but you know, Robin Lopez is a Washington Wizard right now as well. Maybe you sign him, and it's some weird sign-and-trade. I'm not good with the salary cap stuff as much as you are, but you know, Robin Lopez gives you that sort of backup beat that we've been wanting. There's still talk about the, the Brooklyn Nets and offloading DeAndre Jordan to you know an OKC or some other team like that. I don't want to just offload him for nothing because there's no point in doing that unless you're adding to the rotation and replacing him. Then you just throw something at you, Jack. Uh, Derek Favors, if you dropped him off in OKC on a salary dump, Derek Favors was just salary dump there. So maybe you kind of do the rotation. Favors not the best player, but I th- he'd be a substantial upgrade over DJ. I'd be a, I'd be a big fan of that, Nick. You know, former Brooklyn net great. It seems to me we say that a lot. <laughs> New about Jersey net great. New, New Jersey, Jersey net great. <laughs> my my apologies, Nick. But yeah, I, I'm all for that. I think that would be a, a nice little upgrade. And you know, we talked about names like Cody Zeller and and these sort of guys. I think Derek Favors has got something left in the tank, and I think that in the role that he would be required to play, you know, I think he'd provide a semblance of leadership and mentorship. To, you know, to to Clax. He just always always been a relatively solid player. Not necessarily the best fit in Utah. Last last season um but i think you know that, that a lot of that is you know the the rudy gobert uh, and Derek favors fit whereas i think you know Derek favors would be able to play just straight five um yep. and he, he's not necessarily the oldest guy either he's not 35 or or necessarily washed you know he's as i like to say he's rinsing a little bit i don't think he's totally um washed by any stretch yet and he'd certainly be an upgrade over dj so yeah if uh sam presti's got his phone on then hopefully yeah, he's got sean Marsh's number yeah, I just want to double check. I want to say Derek Favors had like a really weird season when he signed for New Orleans for a quick minute. I don't know if that's correct. Uh, uh, yeah, he did. He signed in New Orleans in between Utah and Utah. And he had like a really weird season, a lot of injuries. And then it felt like he started to kind of get his groove a little bit back with Utah last season. But like you said, playing such a limited role, Gobert hogs all those minutes and then they do occasionally play small. So then it's like, okay, I think favors, like you said, playing true five in Brooklyn would make more sense. And he'd probably excel a little bit more. Not necessarily the biggest guy in terms of height, but does have more of like that girth and size. 
Yeah, definitely, definitely. So uh, we'll, we'll wait and see how that all pans out because, you know, a big, a point guard and a wing, you know, there's there's certain needs that the Brooklyn Nets have right now. I think that, um, look, I'm not sure whether, like, we chatted about this in the DMs and stuff, but Paddy Mills right now is at the Olympics and he has a game, you know, in about eight or nine hours uh, against uh, the Argentinian team and in about an hour and a bit, we've got Kevin Durant shooting up for, for the Team USA. Whether those things are having any impact on the current uh, free agency of both the team as well as Paddy Mills individually, uh, it certainly wouldn't surprise me because while I'm sure that, you know, the both of these guys have the utmost trust in their, trust in their agents and to sort of figure things out, um, I, I think that it, it, we can't underestimate that that might be some sort of an issue and we might have to wait till, you know, tomorrow morning, tomorrow evening, whenever else it might be to see something related to Paddy Mills. But, man, I would be, I'd be pretty heartbroken if he puts on the purple and gold and not the black and white. I, I understand that green and gold looks good on him, but... I think purple's his color. Yeah, I mean, I, honestly, Jack, that's an excellent point. I mean, if the Nets are really focused on Patty Mills being their guy, obviously we had a report from Billy Reinhardt that they were looking at him. Then we've seen a previous report, uh, a more recent report, saying that the Nets were unlikely to land. And we don't really know how true that is. Things can change drastically in the free agent world. So if that's their focus, maybe that's holding up their taxpayer mid-level exception type thing. And like you said, maybe after that they look at Otto Porter, maybe they look at Brent Forbes, whatever it is. I don't know. I'm sure what's on their list. And just a quick note on Bruce Brown. I think on the Bruce Brown front, given he's a restricted free agent, you haven't heard a single peep about him and the salary cap continuing, the salary around the league starting to dry up. The likelihood of him re-signing for the Nets on a, a value contract is more and more likely. And I think that's more positive because if I'm Bruce Brown's agent, I'm telling him not to sign the Nets deal until I'm 100% sure no one's going to give me an offer sheet to at least force the Nets' hand. So that's probably what he's doing right now. And, and like a lot of people have mentioned, no news on Bruce Brown front is good news. Yeah, and I think that when we talked about, you know, free agents with Corey Walton on the outlet, we sort of saw, you know, different rumors linked to certain players and players like Tim Hardaway Jr., who was just talked about with the Dallas yep. Mavericks, ended up re-signing with the Dallas Mavericks. So when you don't hear necessarily little peeps from Woj or Shams or even just random dudes like Legion Hoops or NBA Central, um, that's generally when it's a, it's a positive sign. So uh, the, uh, uh, there's no semblance of discomfort for me when it comes to Bruce Brown's uh, Brooklyn Nets future. But, you know, when it comes to Spencer Dinwiddie and, some, and just other players, you know, deepening our rotation, which I think is, you know, I, I think it might be underestimated as well, Nick, that, you know, this is a, a shorter offseason still. It's not necessarily yep. the... The, the the rapid comeback that we saw in between the bubble and this year, but it's still a shortened preseason. And it's going to require, like we said in last year's pod, a semblance of guys of depth. You know, the Nets obviously have injury-prone superstars. They're going to need a Paddy Mills. They're going to need a Rudy Gay or whoever else, or whatever other names that you want to throw out there because, you know, a lot of these other names have been snagged up by other contending teams, be it the Lakers, the Mavericks, or uh, the Miami Heat. So the Nets are going to uh, need to make some moves. And, you know, uh, I want to preach patience, but uh, I'm an impatient man. Let's put it that way, Nick. Yeah, I would give it two or three days. You know, I think, you know, the first day is still usually star-driven, the deals that are really, like, focused on specific players. And given what the Nets have and what they're trying to attract, I think it's going to take a little bit longer. And like you said, if... Let's say Sean Marks is working on a trade with Washington right now. And we don't know the details and he's acquiring two players in that trade. Now that's changing a little bit. What's going to be on the roster, what his needs are, how much space he really has to work with. But then also you got to look around the league too. Is like, I don't want to, you know, show my hand too early because now you look at a team like Chicago, they just got on Lonzo ball. They just got on Alex Caruso. They're going to be looking to drop some salary. Thad young, a guy that we both like with the nets 
could be a real possibility now. You know, there's some different other there's other avenues that can become available just given all the movement we're seeing. So sometimes it's hard to be patient, but sometimes that can lead to you getting a steal. Yeah, no, that's a, it's a fair point. I, I, I totally get what you're saying. And uh, like I sort of said uh, a little bit earlier is that, you know, the Brooklyn Nets team didn't fill out until February, March last yeah. year. And we saw that, you know, the added pieces in LaMarcus Aldridge while he was a Brooklyn Nets and Blake Griffin um, and these sort of dudes in the buyouts, you know, provided you know a, a lot of value. And obviously, you know, there were plenty of tryouts for a heap of other guys uh, along the way as well. But I'm sure that uh, we'll be getting news sooner rather than later. But we did get some news about, you know, I guess former Brooklyn Nets. Maybe we do having to actually, you know, re-sign some of these guys. But uh, the Nets did not extend quali- qualifying offers to Chris Chioza and Mike James, Nick. Now, I'm sure you're ecstatic about the Mike James news <laughs> of it all. Uh, but yeah, in saying that, uh, is this a surprise in any way or fashion? No, I think after we saw the Bucks series and these guys couldn't get minutes and the Nets desperately needed a guard to step up and they didn't feel comfortable using these guys, I think, you know, it screams they want an upgrade. You know, even just being a vet that just is capable of playing those playoff minutes where these guys were, you know, Mike James was inconsistent. Nets obviously didn't feel comfortable with Chioza, and I don't think, you know, Chioza's done enough to really earn that spot on a championship team. Look, I'll, I actually I'll think get... Chioza might have been banged up at that time, so he couldn't even play. True. And uh, I will say that one of my favorite cheese moments, uh, the crossover, dear Lord, he got Kevin Durant out of his seat. He got me out of my seat as well. And, you know, Mike James game three or game two, I can't remember when he had that sort of big burst, 13 points or 12, 13 points, um, where he sort of stepped up in the absence of Kyrie Irving. Um, I thought that he provided, you know, some good value. You know, a guy came in coming over from the overseas, Russia or wherever the, the heck it was, um, and, and to just come in and, and, and produce the way that he did, I think deserves a heap of credit. You know, obviously, uh, you probably will disagree with that, but, you know, I'll put out some... <laughs> no, I think I, he did great for the situation he was in. You know, like, it, it, like you, he came straight from freaking Russia, hopped on a plane, played basketball with the Nets. He talked to Steve Nash for like a couple minutes before he played in that game. But, Jack, we do have breaking news. It's not related to the Nets, but I just thought it was funny because I mentioned this guy as being a potential P.J. Tucker replication on the Nets, and the Bucks just signed him, Semi Ojale, <laughs> to fill in that P.J. Tucker role. So that's – I don't know. I wouldn't call him a Nets target because it was more of our flyer list, but still kind of interesting. And do you think that the Tucker loss is pretty big for the Bucks in terms of their matchup with the Nets? Uh, to an extent, because I think it was overrated the impact that he did have, especially, you know, he is an incredibly matchup dependent defender. Uh, yep. But the loss, if the Nets were to happen to go against the Milwaukee Bucks uh, in some form of postseason series this year, it certainly eases. It's like what you're going to force Chris Middleton to play a heap of those positions. You know, Kyrie and, and Katie were going out of their way to make Giannis look silly, even though he is an incredible defender better help defender than he is an isolation defender. Yep. But it certainly hurts them in some respects, uh, but I don't think the loss is as pronounced as saying, you know, the Nets and losing Jeff Green. Yeah, I think that's fair. That's fair. Um, just given, I think for the Nets matchup specifically against the Bucks, it has a pretty big impact. It's always hard to say with Jeff Green because we saw him in such a limited amount of time. I feel like he was just more of an annoyance to Kevin Durant, not as much, you know, greatly defending him. But at the same time, an annoyance has its value, especially on that home court when they're not calling fouls. I guess, Jack, before we get out of here, if you had a wish list or a mock-up for what you want the Nets to do over the course of the next 24 to 48 hours, what are you thinking? Give me Gay, give me Mills. Need them both in my life. I need them more than life and air itself because the way this Brooklyn Nets team is currently constructed is uh, leave me, you know, not with the the high amount of worries, Nick. I'm not, you know, anxious or whatever. They've got to do some mindfulness and, and chuck on, you know, some of the, the daily calm 
uh, app, but you know, there's certainly a part of me that just uh, I think that uh, I have an insatiable nature when it's this time of year, and I want the Nets to be in the news. And you know, we have got the big yep. three. You know, if, the, if the Nets announced the big three extension, then I couldn't care less about you know Jeff losing Jeff Green or whatever. But there isn't a lot of Nets stuff, and it's great to have Blake back. And I will say, Nick, that it, losing Jeff Green. It's, I'm not sure if it's the same reasons or we never really found out about Garrett Temple, but I think we kind of did. Um, the Garrett Temple loss was, it, it kind of reminds me of that because, you know, the Nets had a rotation player who was a really good veteran locker presence, you know, had it, it was probably more, a lot more inconsistent um, than Jeff Green was, but he did have a larger role uh, as well. But it does, they do provide me, you know, similar sort of vibes and, you know, both of those guys, if they were still Brooklyn Nets right now, um, then I'd be in a much better headspace. Yeah, I think I'm a little bit less upset about the Jeff Green stuff. I get it. Like, he was productive last year. But I still, like, I'm under the impression just watching Jeff Green my whole life. Am I sure that you could count him to do that again? I'm not sure. Maybe the Nets know something more about the foot injury. And I think, like, maybe there's something behind the scenes where – part of the reason that they feel like they were so deficient in certain times was that they were playing so undersized and maybe they're envisioning Nick Claxton taking on a bigger role and taking on some of that Jeff Green stuff. I don't think it's much from the offensive perspective, but defensively, if that's something you're trying to open up and I guess Sean just really didn't want to pay him the money. Like we said, it's kind of similar to Garrett Temple in a way because Garrett Temple had the team option. They declined it, but it just feels like if they offered Jeff Green, the taxpayer mid-level exception, when things opened up, he would have agreed. But I also think, at the same time, I can talk myself into Rudy Gay and maybe he can do a lot of the things that Jeff Green can do with probably less defensively, more offensively. And then if you get the combination of Patty Mills too, then you're feeling a lot better. I mean, as long as they can get Rudy Gay even or Otto Porter, at least somebody that can be in the wing that's a good player that can fill up a chunk of minutes. And they're not going to fill Jeff Green's role perfectly, but they're going to have their own impact in other ways. Like Otto Porter, if he signed with the Nets, he offers versatility, maybe not as big but he's probably more one through three. And I think his three point shot and his ability off ball is better than Jeff green. And even some of his playmaking is pretty good. I think auto Porter is a guy that I've kind of come around on. It's just really, um, I'm just really paranoid about his health. Yeah. I need someone to, I've done me too. We've discussed that at length, but you know, if the Nets do sign auto Porter junior, which has been rumored, we have seen out there floating around on Twitter and the Nets are the favorite to land him too. And the Nets are the favorite and you know, the taxpayer mid level, you know, if you give me auto Porter junior, then, you know, I, I'm, uh, there's just a soft, there's just a soft spot in my heart, I guess, for Jeff Green, recency bias and everything. And all there, the freaking highlights that he gave us. Yeah, he was uh, he was a one man wrecking ball. But yeah, I think Otto Porter Jr. would be you know completely fine. But I need someone to start mocking up you know the the Thanos meme and you know if you're Tyler Johnson, Alan Crabb, and yeah, um, Otto Jr. Someone get on that and hit me up at the DMs because uh, I need that in my life. And uh, but yeah, it'll be interesting to sort of see how it pans out, Nick. You know, Gay Porter, Otto Porter Jr. And Mills is a scenario ideal number one. Two of the three even better. One of the three even worse. But we'll see how it all pans out. I'm sure there'll be buyout candidates come February and such. But, uh, you know, I'm an impatient person, Nicholas. And uh, I want it all now. I want all of it. I want the, the big three to sign an extension. And I want them to bloody text our goddamn rookies. Like, come on, guys. We've got uh, some cool new rookies that are going to be contributing for us. So at least give them a text, James. It's probably rolling loud with, you know, Lil Uzi or something or <laughs> Travis Scott. And then, you know, Kyrie's probably busy, you know, doing some you know, birthing class with his missus and you know, Kevin Durant's trying to win a gold medal. So uh, I understand what's going on. 
Yeah, we'll give them a, it's only it hasn't even been a week yet, right? Yeah, it hasn't even been a week since they've been signed. Give them a little bit of time. I think they'll contact them, especially, you know, they're they're probably really excited. But also I wonder if part of them was like, you know, maybe we're not going to reach out because I'm not sure if Sean's going to keep these guys or, you know, let them go. I don't want to kind of get a relationship with them and then see them walk out the door. And just again, the Spencer Dinwiddie thing, like you've kind of been mentioning a lot, Jack, is a pretty big domino of what happens with that, the potential re-sign and the potential of players being back in Brooklyn. We really have no idea. And the way that there's so many open active trades in the NBA right now, nothing is official until later on, until free agency officially starts. The Nets could get involved. It could be a three-team, a four-team, a five-team. You don't really know. And then that's opening up some other avenues. But, Jack, anything else you want to touch on before we get out of here? Guaranteed, we're going to get the sign and trade five minutes after this podcast is uh, finished recording. <laughs> yeah, it seems pretty likely. And uh, we'll we'll be back as much as we can during this week, trying to give you as many podcasts as we can. But Jack, always a pleasure. Big thanks to everybody for listening. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.